this is actor, meditation teacher Jeff Kober, and you are listening to the Atomic Podcast, where Ephraim blows up the news on a verbal scale. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Ephraim Guzman. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Ephraim Guzman. My guest today, he's actor, producer, journeyman, Jeff Kober. Jeff, how are you today? I'm quite well, thanks. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, man. Um, you have such an illustrious career you've been you know people seeing you in films like oh i've seen this guy before or you know i've seen him in this i've seen him in that and um you had a you you still do have a long career um first of all um where did you grow up at and um how was you like as a child i grew up in a small town in montana on a farm oh sweet uh, I had lots of animal friends. Awesome. Um, and uh, you know, it was a it was a it was a great childhood. It was filled with uh, what childhoods were like in the fifties and sixties, which was not a lot of parental supervision, and the supervision that was there was uh, uh, it was a little harsh. And uh, you know, we, we we figured things out on our own. Yeah. Yeah, um, um, my father-in-law says the same thing because he, you know, he's from, you know, I'm originally from New York City. He's from Twin, Twin Lakes, and he says, you know, you don't really come home until the, you know, the sun sets, and that's when you go home. And you just play with rocks outside and ride bikes. Was it that type of life for you? Yeah, absolutely. You you you, you play with rocks and ride bikes and and uh, try to avoid getting trapped into doing farm work. <laughs> uh, are are you like are you a farmer at heart? No, I was never a very good farmer. I did it for quite a while. I did it up into my, you know, early to mid twenties. Yeah. Um, but I was never a very good farmer. Oh. Uh, it's just, it's yeah. I maybe could have been, but it really didn't uh, excite me yeah. all that much. Oh. Well, being in the farm, because um, I'm from right now, I'm, I'm living right now in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. There's a lot of farm life out here. Um, from your experience, what is the hardest part of living in a farm, or like what, of, or running a farm, I should say? Well, you know, like the last year I farmed from April through the end of October, I worked, you know, at least ten or twelve hours a day. Wow! And uh, in the middle of the summer, that was every day you know seven days a week it's just it's a lot a lot of work and it's you know it's it's really it's hard work it's physical and mm -hmm. I, I i love that i did it but man it's not a way to make a living yeah yeah i noticed that I, some people but i'm just not the you know i'm i i i get turned on by different things than that yeah i noticed that like ever since i left new york city to here um the the way of the Midwest life as opposed to the city life is totally different as the city life. I think people are more 
cater to than people in the Midwest, like, you know, farmers and people who own houses, you know, they take care of their own, they're self-sufficient. As as the city people, I'm, I'm probably stereotyping, but some city people is, they wouldn't even know, like me, myself, I'm, I'm still considered a city person, I don't even know the first thing about a furnace or, or mowing a lawn, like, this is still all new to me. Um, do you figure having a life like that made you kind of self-sufficient? Yeah, absolutely, and which was, you know, which has been useful. Um, because I'm not afraid to work. I, I don't mind working. I enjoy working now that, you know, that uh, I, I'm, I have my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, yeah, you learn to take care of what needs taken care of and, and, and you learn how to show up and work. Uh, I, I think it's a really valuable asset to have. Yeah, especially the jobs here. The, the jobs are like the Midwest, depending on where you're at, is a lot of like factory work and a lot of like construction jobs as opposed to city. If you're in a city area, is a lot of paperwork, financial stuff, you know, um, a lot of um, typing and whatnot. But um, I think, you know, from what a lot of people, it makes a man out of you, you know, like if we're doing like a lot of like shoveling and, you know, shoveling your driveway when the snow comes and, and you know, just taking care of shingles on a roof is just, you know, it's it's a different dynamic though i believe absolutely yeah all right and and um being in montana um what how did you get the kick you know i'm 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 fast forwarding a little bit but um how did um your passion for the entertainment come about well i i didn't really know that you know actors were real humans (laughs) (laughs) really yeah yeah, I never thought about being an actor. No one, I didn't know any actors. I, I, I remember, I was, I used to be a trombone player, and I was, oh. I played in the pit orchestra of uh, Fiddler on the Roof at the University of Montana, and it was the first time I saw actors up close, and and it actually looked fun, and I was like, oh, uh, I guess I could do that, you know. But <laughs> yeah. then, I got into it because I, you know, I followed a woman to California. That's and, uh, <laughs> stumbled into an acting class. <laughs> so th- that, th- <laughs> so you pretty much followed this woman, and then you went to acting class, and it, it was almost by 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 I guess by fate or by destiny, almost if you could say it like that, uh, or or accident. Which yeah, accident. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, here's here's what happened. I was. You know, the relationship broke up. I was in a, a rock band, and it broke up. And and I, I did my first and only, I did one year in an office job working as a temporary paralegal for the Getty Oil Company. And, and, you know, it was like my life had come to a nadir. It was like I didn't know what was going on. And I just remember that going to classes, it, when I had been in college, that it, going to class made sense. So I was looking for a class, and this woman said she went to this acting class, and she thought that I would dig it. So I went and watched the acting class, and and suddenly the way it felt to be me made sense. That's the best way I can put it. Like they, you know, they actually wanted to see what was inside. They wanted you to have uh, an emotional reaction to life, and I I had big emotional reactions to life, and so like everything that. I seemed to be about made sense in in this venue, so you know I I I started doing it. Oh, um, what was it about it? The whole atmosphere about it um, intrigued you. Was it just seeing other people learning the same craft as you, or was it just something that? It, it was that my, you know, being an actor is just 
being willing to be fully alive mm-hmm. and you're doing it in front of people or in front of a camera and fully alive without self-consciousness and fully alive and uh, being connected to another human being. That's what being an actor is to me. And mm-hmm. uh, I had been repressed for so long and pushed down feelings for so long and uh, felt, you know, just uh, stuck for so long that to be in an acting class and to have a teacher insisting that I, you know, go with whatever my impulse was and say whatever was on my mind and be full and free with whatever was going on inside of me, that that brought me to life in a way that uh, was healing for me. And I just, I wanted more of it. Wow. I never heard anybody said it like that before. Um, is it more like when you're acting, I guess, do you have like an emotional connection to the character? Like everybody has their own ways of of getting into a role. Um, do you, like, what is your method of getting into a, into a character? Well, Sanford Meisner said that acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances and what you're always using is yourself Mm -hmm. it's yourself with a different set of uh facts like you know it's you with a different set of parents it's you married to this person it's you having stolen money from this person it's but you got to find the way that you would be married to that person or the way that what might have brought you to steal money from this person and and you know so you find you just find ways of imagining yourself having the experiences of this character and then and then you let yourself be with those uh with those new imaginary circumstances i mm, see um having imaginary circumstances and having different characters you portray from you know, from evil to good, or whatever your interpretation of evil and good is, um, do you um, immerse yourself in that role, um, depending on what role it is? Like, do you become that person, or, you know, how some people... It's, you are that person, and you just find that aspect of yourself that fits in that character, and you, you lessen the aspects of yourself that wouldn't let you fit in that character and and there are no real evil characters i played one evil character and uh, you know he was like he worshiped satan so that was a whole other level oh <laughs> yeah you know the, the almost all characters they, they don't see themselves as evil they're doing what they need to do in order to survive yeah yeah that's true and so you you know you own those you own that situation where you need to survive and then and and then you you know you 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 fulfill it uh, based on what's written. Do you remember the, your first acting gig you you had, and um, how was it like? Um, well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you two. The, oh. the first acting gig I uh, did was for the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. They. Uh, we're giving an award to Fredericks of Hollywood to, for the best uh, upkeep on their store, mm-hmm. and they were giving uh, 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 an award of shame to uh, a bar called The Nest, which was uh, like a biker bar that had winos hanging out in front of it. <laughs> and they wanted to be sure there were winos hanging out in front when the cameras were there, so me and a couple other guys got hired to be winos. Um, <laughs> And 
so I, you know, I doused myself in uh, Morgan David 2020, and uh, and you know, I, a nun invited me to come downtown to her recovery house, and um, <laughs> wow. So that was that was the actually the first one, but then the first one that actually that I got a McDonald's burger and fries, uh, uh, you know, coupon for that one. Um, <laughs> the first one that I got paid for was. Uh, uh, a version of uh, uh, Little Red Riding Hood that was done for the Disney Channel, which was brand new, and it was directed by Harrison Ellenshaw, who was the scenic designer for uh, the first set of Star Wars movies. And this was his directing debut, and it was a, uh, it was I, I played the wolf, but it was very surreal and uh, you know. Uh, and sexualized and dark and the the only time I saw it with children in the audience they ran out of the, <laughs> the theater scared um, so it, it didn't have a very long life but I actually got paid uh, you know you have like a long you know people could check your IMDB they could check Wikipedia you have a long body of work and you know you keep going and going all the way from the 90s on man um how, like, did you always, was it always hard for you to get work, or work was always piling up your way? You know, it's, 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 it's a tough gig being an actor for most actors, because it's only, like, you know, 5 or 10% of the Screen Actors Guild members actually make enough to have health insurance. Yeah. Um, so that speaks to how tough it is to get a gig, but, mm-hmm. and that, that, you know, I've gone through, just like everyone else, I go through times when there's no work and then through times when there's a lot of work. And, you know, the fact is, if you're an actor, you're an actor. That's what you do. And you do whatever you need to do to keep getting through and to keep, uh, you know, to keep yourself ready for the job that comes. And you do what you need to do to feed yourself in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the roles you had, um, what was the role that people noticed you the most? Or a, a role that, you know, people say, hey, that's Jeff Colbert uh, that you got really recognized for. Um, well, there have been a, a few. I mean, the first one, I suppose, was uh, China Beach. Yes. Which is a series uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And, and then there was a movie called The First Power, which happened around that same time. Yes. Um, and, you know, and then lately, it was, I mean, it was something happened with the way we watch things today that uh, you know The Walking Dead and Sons of Anarchy and uh, I guess also uh, The New Girl a bit yeah um, you know back in the day you only had one chance to see a show and then if you missed it you didn't see it but now you know people hear about a show and then they start binge watching it and, and suddenly you know you're alive to them again and you know that's so it's a it's a whole other level of being recognized these days and but those are the ones that those and and sully you know yeah sully so i got some you know recognition for that but you know but most of the time it's just like oh you're that guy yeah Yeah. i saw you in that thing yeah you like you know what I think when I was when I used to watch sh- movies with you, you always reminded me of Brian Thompson for some reason. I don't know why. Like I always got you and Brian Thompson confused when I was younger when I used to watch movies. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And, and 
we've been confused for each other before. Oh, really? Okay, good. I, I'm not the only one then. Okay. He, he's in a lot better shape than I am. <laughs> and, you know, I thought... Yeah, and you know, I thought the first Power was a very underrated movie. You and Lou Diamond Phillips, and I remember you as the central character role. Was there ever, you know, uh, this is like this is a, this is not a question I had written down, but was there ever thoughts of a sequel with that movie? Oh, I mean, they probably had ideas for that when they made it, but I don't think it was successful enough for them to, you know, do a sequel with it. And that was a dark movie. Man. Yes, that very dark. Yeah, really dark. Yeah, it was really good too. It was really good. You, I think your your role in that was very good too. I think you know, especially. I just remember the the scene. I remember is you holding the ceiling fan. I believe <laughs> I remember that, and you're chasing Lou, chasing Lou's character. I remember. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, you played, you know, like you said, you play, you know, you play different characters, and um, is. Um, what's the word for it? It's, it? Do you like to play dark, darker roles more than good roles? I don't. I, I, there's a term. There's a word for it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to trying to get the right word for it. Like as dark roles instead of light roles. I'm sorry. I said, do you like playing darker roles instead of like lighter roles? Like, do you like roles that are complex? You know, it's. There, oftentimes, there's uh, more to do with, uh, you know, being the antagonist rather than the protagonist. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and you know, and frankly, at the time, I mean, in the, especially in my early career, I, I was, you know, letting out the way it felt to be inside. So it was, it was, it was kind of necessary for me to play those kind of roles. That was, that was what I had. That's what I had to give. You know, I was uh, I had a lot of darkness in me, a lot of anger, mm-hmm. sadness, yeah. garbage. That, that those were those kind of roles are great outlets for that. Yeah. Um. When you, yeah, you said those roles are great outlets for that, but you said you had a lot of darkness. Was it hard getting a lot of darker roles because you have to? I don't know. Like everybody's method of acting is different, but do you have to like go down in your soul and feel that darkness again, or? Well, yeah, it's just, it's not that you have to go down and feel it again. It's there all the time. Ah, okay. And, you know, most of us just learn how to, you know, wall it off and not deal with it. So acting really is a way to get comfortable with it so that you can bring it out into the light. Because there is no such thing as darkness. There's only places that haven't been exposed to the light. So, you know, playing darkness is a way of bringing it back out and you know and uh letting yourself be a human mm. uh, we're all dark <laughs> everyone you know is dark and everyone uh, at some level thinks if if you really saw what was deep inside of me you wouldn't want to be my friend or you wouldn't love me or you wouldn't you know you'd turn away from me in disgust i think everyone has that to some extent yeah you know so it's actually really it can be a really positive thing to go to those places it's not positive for everyone but it, it was for me mm. um as in in far as acting and your personal life is it hard to you know there's some people that have there's you hear stories of trying to separate a character from a role um was it hard for you to leave a role once the role was done or you was already done with it and you're on to the next role or did you need time to get over that character you played uh, the, you know, it depends on how much you loved the person you were playing. I, I did a pilot 
the first part of this year that I love the character so much that it, I, uh, I, I never wanted to give him up. And, uh, and so that's, that, it's hard to let go sometimes, but it, you know, it depends on how much, how much joy there was in being that guy. Mm. Um, your role. I, I don't really mistake myself for my characters. That's not something that. But there are there are aspects of the personality that you, you know, you awaken. That uh, you, know, you, you should have this conversation with my wife because she'll be able to tell you much, uh, much more readily how. Oh, you're oh you're being that guy. Oh, you're being the character. I, no, I'm not. I'm just I'm just pissed off. What's going on? You know? <laughs> so. Um, speaking of that, um, what is the key to a successful marriage? Let me ask you this. Don't leave. Don't leave? Don't leave. <laughs> Don't leave. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, well, that means that, you know, you're there, be there. And, okay. And, and uh, a marriage is... A marriage is not someplace you go to get; it's someplace you go to give, and you're not giving to the other person; you're giving to the relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, you know. And and it's about being of service, okay. you know. And then by by being of service to that relationship, then you have that to come back to. You have that grounding to jump away from and go do your stuff, and then you have a, a home to come home to. Yeah, that's true. Um, how do you like resist temptation? You know, I'm sure every man goes through temptation, but I guess some are more exposed to it than others. I'm not saying you're exposed to it, but if you if you're in that route, like, how do you like uh, stay? Like, you know, in the in the Bible, it says flee if you caught yourself in a situation. Like, how do you get yourself out of a situation? Well, it's it's. I think it's far more useful to just not get in the situation to begin with um, than to have to get out of it. And if you're being honest with yourself, then you won't get into a situation because the fact is it's it's titillating to, you know, to uh, interact with people that you're uh, uh, excited by or who are excited by you, but it's not meaningful in any way. And if Mm -hmm. you, you know, if you are really being responsible for who you are you're not gonna use someone to feel better for a minute if it's going to hurt you or others down the road it's just you know you you end up making choices that are uh in service of life rather than service of you having a a, you know a, a, a few minutes where you forget yourself yeah jeff have you ever had any regrets in life Um, wow, regrets in life. You know, I I think my life has been pretty perfectly structured to give me the experience that I'm having, and I wouldn't trade the experience I'm having for any other experience. So, Mm. uh, there, let's see, there was, I, I guess... You know, the regrets that I have are so small. They're like, I wish I would have said something to someone at a certain time. Or uh, uh, I wish I would have... You know, like there was one job I did where I never solved the the problem being the the character. And I I regret that I didn't do that one better. Um, I actually made the director cry. I was so bad in it. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, I I regret not doing that better. But, you know, the fact is that we're all doing the best 
we can all the time. And by going through those things that we might do differently today, it means that we've grown and we can see how we could do that do them differently but at the time we couldn't do them differently mm-hmm. so it's you know life is perfectly structured to uh give us an opportunity to be the, the best that we can be at each moment and as long as we're committed to continuing to go forward and change and grow then by definition i'm always going to see how i could have done something better but also by definition if i'm looking back at the past and wishing it had gone differently I'm ignoring my present, and this is where it's all happening. So I, I just choose more and more to be here. Ah, okay, well said. Um, do you feel um like what's what's your opinion? I'm not asking for any political things. I'm not trying to get into a political debate with you or anything like that. But um, what 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 do you think is going on in our political structure now? Like, how do you think the um our nation is doing as a whole? Well, I think that there's something going on where people are making choices based in fear mm-hmm. and in, uh, they're not, it, it's it's a place where people are voting not for what they're for, but against what they're against. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's called negative polarization. And... The, the, the thing that's going on now is that there's more and more polarization and there's more and more groups separating and separating and separating and and it's no longer uh, you know one nation under God indivisible it's it's divided and it's not under anything and it's not one nation it's many nations and it's just really dangerous yeah. you know and, and I think that I, what has to happen is for us all to just take a big breath and, you know, get about the business of coming together rather than continuing to move further and further apart from each other. Yeah. You know, with everything that's happening in the world, with hurricanes and earthquakes and all the stuff that's happening, do you feel like we're close to, like, the end times? Do you? I don't think so. I just think it's going to keep going and, you know, we just, there's people who are going to, People are just going to produce, and the world is going to keep going. But that's just that's just my opinion. Yeah, it's you know the end times is. I don't think that's written in a book. Um, I think we get to choose that or not. Yeah, and you know, and it's life is. I think life is too powerful to uh, bring itself to an end here on planet Earth uh, mm-hmm. in the near future. It's it's going to get rough before it gets better but i don't think it's, i don't i don't i don't believe in the end times yeah do you believe like in the illuminati or do you believe like chemtrails and stuff like that or no nah, i stay away from all that stuff I, there's enough shit to be scared about <laughs> yeah without making it up you know i mean yeah. you know it it, it you look at our government do you yeah. think that anyone could really <laughs> well oh god you know, I try to stay away from politics because it's so divisive. And yeah. I, what I think, I think the the single biggest problem is that is that money is seen as the bottom line, and because money is seen as the bottom line, corporations have gotten progressively more and more power. And as as corporations get more and more power, being a human matters less and less, and the v- values that we. Uh, those things that we value as humans become less and less important and less and less on the table in terms of 
choices being made, and I, that's what I think is really wrong. It's you know because money doesn't solve all our problems, and the bottom line is not the bottom line. The bottom line is you know are we able to love each other? Yeah. And I think that's what's really lacking is love and compassion because everybody's so desensitized with everything that's going on in the world and some people just worry about their own shit and they don't care about anybody else. But, yeah. you know... Yeah. It's and, like, and you vote only because it's going to affect you in mm-hmm. this way. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you, and, and the ego of all of us is always looking for the cause of our misery and it's always some other group. And mm-hmm. then we can demonize that group. We're all immigrants here. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, I have a couple of Native American friends. They might have immigrated here twenty, thirty thousand years ago, mm-hmm. but all the rest of us, you know, we immigrated within the last whatever four hundred years. Yeah. So uh, it's it's just it's absurd to set any group apart as being the cause of my misery. Yeah, it, it, it's it's so. It's like heartbreaking because a lot of this country was built by immigrants and, you know, from Mexican on, you know, there's a lot of people who contribute to this country and it's just... The Irish and the Italians. Yep, and the Irish and Italians. Yeah. My my ancestors were uh, were, uh, migrant workers. They came here in the first part of the 20th century and... And you know, worked uh, worked the crop fields until they got enough money together to build a farm. That, wow! I, I come from, you know, migrant workers. I mean, what's the difference between that and you know, anyone else who's coming here and just trying to work their way into the system? It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so for my relatives or peers or uh, to say, oh, we got to stop the immigrants. Well, where would that leave us if they had done this? You know. 150 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Um, on a lighter topic, <laughs> um, um, you know, this is just like a fan fanboy question, but um, how was it like working with the cast of The Walking Dead, and um, did you have a great time in that role you was in? Oh, it was a great role. It was really well written, and the, the cast was fantastic. I just had nothing but fun with those people, and, and you know, Andrew Lincoln is, uh, you know, he taught me something about acting. He, he, he's like, he's, you know, 110% committed all the time. And that's, you know, that's really saying something. And to, to work with that level of uh, commitment and that, you know, that level of artistry is, is just a thrill. You know, I was really, really happy to do it. Uh, um, did you, was, was you satisfied with your death scene? It was pretty cool. <laughs> yes, very cool. I loved it. Yeah, it was. You know, I, I loved it because it was. It it really it was really an important plot point for that season. For, yeah. You know, uh, for him to be trying to be uh, pass, uh, a pacifist all year, and then finally he had to go animal to save his son. Yeah. That's that's a beautiful story, and I got to be a part of that. Yeah, it was very visceral and very visually. You know, it yeah. was. Everything was captured perfectly, and you know your you know your character's role was the um, evolution of Rick going on into his his venture to becoming the person he is now. So, you know it was, it was yeah it was a great role, and you know you have you know besides that you had many roles out there. Is there? Um, it's probably a stupid question. I don't. Well, no question is really a stupid question, but um, is there a particular character you would love to revisit again? Or I know you say you had the, your character. 
that you did in the recent show was very good. But is there a, a old character you would like to revisit? Well, actually, I am kind of revisiting an old character. I'm doing an. Uh, oh, I can't talk about it. Um, but uh, I'm doing a, a character arc on a show right now. Okay. Uh, at least four episodes, which is my character from China Beach, as if he had never left Vietnam. What? And he'd been there for thirty years and done what he had to do to survive there, and it's now thirty years later. So it's it's I'm I am revisiting a character, and it's 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 really kind of special. I, I'm enjoying it. Oh, you can't really get into much details about it, right? But yeah, I can't tell you what the show is because they haven't giving me permission yet. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, wow. Look forward to seeing that. You know, stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. Yeah, thanks. No, not a problem. And um, my final question for you, and we went a little bit over, but um, what would the Jeff of today tell the Jeff of yesterday? Hang in, brother. Hang in, brother? Sweet. It all it all gets better from here. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're, Jeff, you know, talking to you, you seem like a very zen fellow. I, I think you're very calm and very assertive and very, like, you know, you pretty much are in the know. And I, you know, you seem very, very thought provoking, man. Well, well, thank you, Evan. I appreciate that. Not, not a problem. Um, Jeff, um, if you have any social media, if you, if you want to plug anything, um, plug away, or if is there anything people could see you in that's on television right now, or Netflix uh, or anything? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, watch for My Abandonment. Uh, it's a movie directed by Deborah Granick, whose last movie was Winter's Bone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm doing a new series called Big Dogs, which should be uh, available for streaming sometime within the next six months to a year. Oh, okay. Um, and... Uh, and uh, they can go to I'm uh, the, is the website will be changing shortly, but uh, jeffcobermeditation.com. Oh, okay. Um, I I uh, I teach meditation along with uh, being an actor. So. Oh, really? Um, how how is that going? How how did you get involved in meditation? Well, I was so screwed up. I needed help from a higher source, man. So. Oh wow. <laughs> I found meditation and it works. Wow. Do you meditate? Um, like, how does it work? Do you meditate every day or two times a week or twice a day? Twice a day. Twice okay. a day, every day. And it's just you know, just it's a, it's actually it's the it's the secret ingredient for a life, man. Wow. Because it's it taps you into what's real about you instead of what changes all the time about you. So you know, it's it's, it's something to build a life on. Oh, there's different types of meditation. Like, what type of meditation do you do, if I can ask? I do Vedic meditation, V-E-D-I-C, Vedic. It's, oh, okay. uh, it's, it's like a, you use a mantra, and the mantra uh, takes your mind to a really deep place, and you transcend all the, all the kind of uh, mess of mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. And uh, then you come back out, and you're a little more grounded and a little more ready to face the day. And and uh, some of the mess has cleaned itself up while you weren't looking. Wow. Um, and you felt it has done quite an impact on your life and personal and professional? Oh, completely turned it around. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's yeah. awesome, Jeff. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it, no, no problem. And um, there's a website for that, too, for your meditation as well? 
Jeff Kober. Jeff Kober. Meditation. Jeff Kober Meditation. Okay, sweet. Do you have any books as well, or? No, I'm just uh, just working on that. Oh, sweet, sweet, awesome, awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the one and only Jeff Kober, and you can see him on different movies. And oh, oh of course, you think if they wanted to see on Netflix The Walking Dead and see your character arc, they can definitely see that too. Season four. Yeah. Right. That's season four. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Colbert, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.